I'm so glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where we're about is helping you stretch every dollar so that you have more control of your life. Coming up later this hour, we're going to visit with Brad and Jonathan, who host a Financial Independence Pod, Choose FI, and I've had an opportunity recently to talk with a number of people in the FI movement, which is all about you owning your bills instead of them owning you. And it's been something that's heated up as controversial. I don't understand why. And that's why I want it from time to time to give different perspectives, including theirs, coming up later. Uh, Coming up before that, I have a heads up for you in today's Clark Rage about big companies, big organizations trying to steal your money or successfully stealing your money. I'm going to tell you how they're doing it and what you need to know and do about it. So the home construction market in the United States is really splitting in two directions right now. One of them are builders that are building using new modern methods that create homes that use almost no energy at all. And there's even a federal standard for it that started a long time ago, but most builders in the United States ignored it, called the Zero Energy Ready Home Standard. And this is important for many reasons, because nearly half the energy we use in our country is for buildings. A very small percent is actually for us running around in our cars or SUVs. And so if you build a home smart from the ground up, you greatly reduce the cost of operating that home all through the years. But here's the neat thing. Builders that are adopting the smart building methods are able to build a home at essentially no additional cost to what it would be if you just built a home the way builders have been building them. And I draw on my experience as a longtime volunteer for the last couple of decades plus with Habitat for Humanity, where I've watched Habitat affiliates go from building houses to now building homes that use almost no energy at all. And the funny thing is, is that it adds almost no cost, if any, to the cost of construction doing smart building standards. When you look at a home, particularly as a first-time home buyer, you're only looking at things like what the bathrooms are like, what the kitchen's like, what kind of countertops you have, what kind of flooring. Take it a step further for your own wallet and ask those questions. What are they doing to make the home ready to, as often as referred to, to be net zero? And this is happening in various communities around the country. And there are organizations, nonprofits, that teach builders how to build these net zero ready homes. I did a TV story on one of the nonprofits, and I was there um, watching the instruction, and the builders that were into it were really into it. Unfortunately, we don't have enough that are into this idea, so it's going to have to be market-driven by you asking those kind of questions. And again, 
in most cases it costs essentially no additional cost to build a home that virtually eliminates energy bills. Let me give you just one example, though, of things people are doing in homes you already live in. Because most homes we're going to buy are used homes. They're existing homes. So do you know simply when you buy a home, or if you're already in it, putting in LED lighting alone will dramatically reduce your energy bills over the course of a year? Because lighting in most homes is as much as a fifth of what your monthly energy bill is for your home. You go to LED lighting, you cut the cost of lighting in your home by roughly 85 to 90%. And the great thing, LED bulbs are so cheap. I was in Dollar Tree the other day. That's not a bulletin. I'm in Dollar Tree a lot. And they were selling $1 LED bulbs. And bulbs at that kind of price, buck, buck fifty, common all over the place. Ikea sells them, um, Costco sells them really inexpensively. Home Depot, when they have specials, sells them below a buck and a half a bulb. And you make back the cost of that bulb versus whatever you already have in a lamp or you have somewhere in your house. You make that back in months. So don't even feel bad if you take a traditional light bulb, Thomas Edison kind of bulb, and you kick it to the curb, you're going to make back the cost and energy savings of replacing it before it's burned out like that. And the light now from LED bulbs is fantastic. Neil is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Neil. Hello. How's it going, Neil? Very fine. I'd like to thank you for all that you've done for us along the way. And I've got a question for you about cheap rental cars that are being repositioned. Sure. We traveled, last, we traveled last year from Florida back to Wisconsin for a total of $59.24. Isn't that great? You got one of those two-week rentals for like five bucks a day or something? We did for six days for $59.24 total. Wonderful. My question is, will it be early this year or late this year because Easter being late? Or is the rental car agency not... Notify, notice that difference. Right. So the way it works, uh, just so people are aware, is in the recent time period, November, December, car rental companies come up with a window where they make rentals extra cheap one way for people that will take cars from the Northeast and the Midwest and relocate them to Florida for the peak season. And then when the season ends, which usually for the car rental companies will be April into early May. They then do the reverse, and they get you to relocate the car for them. Because think about for a car rental company, if they have to hire a professional driver to relocate a vehicle, or they have to hire one of those transport services, that's a lot of money. On the other hand, they let you drive it, give you a screaming deal, to drive that vehicle one way back to Wisconsin, they win and you win. So we don't have the dates yet. We publish them every year on um, Clark Deals and on our Travel Tips page on Clark.com. And we don't have the dates yet for each of the car rental companies when they're going to offer their repositioning rentals in the spring. Okay. Well, 
Easter is a little bit late this year, and we're, we're hoping to go again in April and enjoy another trip, a cheap trip. Yeah, I think you've got a good shot that um, once Easter's over, that that's when at least uh, a couple of companies may already have repositioning prices in place. I know that uh, the Easter being later is a problem for a lot of people in the travel industry, like the airlines are already whining that Easter is later because it, it makes things more difficult for them for reasons I don't quite understand. So don't be shocked if the airlines try to go convince Congress to fix Easter to a certain date each year <laughs> to make their lives quick, easier. I have one other quick comment, if I may. Sure. Last year, we went through an online service to rent our car through a major agency. We got down to the airport at midnight in Fort Myers, Florida, and the guy says, well, we don't honor third-party, uh, second or third-party contracts. We don't have a car for you. Oh, no. So it was all about the size of the vehicle. We wanted a Chevy Impala, which was quoted as being a standard car. Well, this company wouldn't honor that. So we ended up with a Nissan Maxima or a Nissan Altima, which it was, and which is an okay car, but not as nice as a Chevy Impala. But the price was right. So my tip is make sure you go through the company you're going to rent from to have a contract that's an honor. Rather than through a third party. So I'll Correct. tell you with rental car agencies, there are going to be all kinds of things happen. I don't know if you ever heard me tell my story from Fort Myers in the fall. When I oh. got to the car rental counter in Fort Myers and they were out of cars and they gave me one that was all broken up and I, I, the car would not lock, it had trouble driving, had a tire that was bald, and so that was that was my experience and after i complained i got a 20 dollar voucher for a future rental okay so the car rental business is kind of haphazard you never know exactly what you're going to find but i think that was pretty lame excuse telling you neil that cuz you booked through a third party that they were stiffing you on your rental i think it was just because they stiffed you on your rental and were looking for some excuse and Rima is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Is, did I say your name right? Yes. Hi. How are you? Great. How are you doing? I'm doing well. And I have to tell you that I'm making my husband very jealous that I'm talking to you because he's been listening to you since junior high. <laughs> so he suffered uh, child yeah. abuse as well. All these kids who around the country who grew up where the parents controlled the radio and made them listen in carpool. I'm really oh. sorry that he had to suffer with me. Believe it or not, it was of his own will to listen to you. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> well, how can I be of service to you? So I got married a year and a half ago, and I have a passport with my maiden name on it. But I recently changed my name with Social Security office and i was wondering if i have to renew my passport with my new name um or if i could just book any future international flights with my maiden name so let me tell you passport. what let me tell you what women do women tend to leave the passport as it is till it comes time for renewal because passports are such a hassle and they're so expensive Mm -hmm. And I have never heard, as long as somebody remembers 
to book your driver's license. I'm guessing you've changed into your married name, but your passport's still in your maiden name? Yeah. Yeah, so what people have to remember to do is when they do domestic travel, use married name. When you do international, you use the name on the passport. How many more years does your passport have to run? Eight more years. That's oh. why I don't really want to renew it. Yeah, I got it. I think um, I know of no reason why you'd have to do that unless you want to enroll in global entry. Mm. You know what global entry does for you, getting you through immigration and like a blank? Oh, no, I don't know much about it, but I'd rather do the conventional way if I could keep my passport. Yeah, so unless I hear otherwise from somebody telling me that I'm out of my mind, there are millions of women in the same situation as you are who wait for the passport to run out, usually six months before it expires, and then mm-hmm. replace it with one with the married name. Okay, perfect. So just get ready for people to post Clark Stinks and say that I'm a terrible <laughs> person and I never should have told you to do that, but I'm comfortable with that advice. Okay, well, I trust you. Thank you so much. Sure, and congratulations on your marriage. Thank you. Today's Clark Rageous moment is about big companies behaving badly, and it's a special warning and alert for you. Pay attention to this. Scams, ripoffs, outrages. It's a Clark Rageous moment. Today, if you're just starting out in the work world or have done so in the last 10 years, there is a dinosaur that has gone nearly extinct called a company-provided pension. It was very common in the United States that people worked at a place for a period of time, and then the company would promise you an amount of money for the rest of your life. Uh, Most companies in the old days, you had to have been there typically five years, some ten years, And then later on in your life, you would qualify for a pension. Well, over a working lifetime, a lot of people would forget about a benefit that they had coming to them. And there's been a real problem where companies are, even though they know they owe you money, they're choosing not to notify you or pay you hoping you'll never figure it out that you're owed that money. Now, this recently happened, and you may have heard news reports about this, with the big insurer MetLife. That MetLife, which runs a lot of uh, pension benefits for various companies, they reach deals with insurance companies, and they administer and pay out the money. MetLife knew There were many, many thousands upon thousands of people, I don't know if it's in the millions, that were owed money for pensions. They knew who they were. They knew they were an age they were eligible for it. They knew where they were. And they just chose not to pay the money and hold on to it. The first state that busted them was Massachusetts. And now people are being paid back. There will be others. In other states, there'll be almost certainly other settlements. And this is something I want you to think back, particularly if you, uh, it doesn't apply to you, but you have an older parent, maybe a grandparent who is at retirement age, 
there very well may be money that they are owed from a former employer and they've long since forgotten about it. I worked for a big company uh, while I was in grad school and I don't know if I'm eligible for any pension from them, but when I hit full retirement age, I'm sure going to check. One place you may be able to find out information if there is a pension for you is pbgc.gov. PBGC, remember it's a .gov, the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation that is responsible for oversight of pensions. Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. I mean, that's the core principle of this show is to live on less than what you make. But I have introduced a topic over the years first about 15 years ago when there was a concept called being a max saver. And those were people that were living on 50 cents of every dollar they made and were in a position to be able usually to bag work if they wanted to in their early 40s. We'll fast forward almost a generation, and now the hot term is called FI, financial independence. It can be fully fire, financial independence, retire early. And any time I have talked with anyone about the FIRE movement, it leads to a big backlash from people who are like, well, I don't know how they do that, or I don't know how anybody could do anything like that, and besides, it's never going to work. Well, that brings me today to two guests today who are with me on the Clark Howard Show, and Brad and Jonathan, both podcasters from the Choose FI podcast. I want to welcome both of you to the Clark Howard Show. Thank you, Clark. Longtime listener, first-time caller. Super excited to be here. Well, it's great to have you because, you, as you know, as a longtime listener, we don't normally have any guests at all. But the reaction right. has been so intense from people about the FIRE movement and the whole concept of financial independence that it's something that maybe I'm doing a terrible job explaining and you can do a better job doing so. And so... Um, Brad, how did the two of you, you and Jonathan, end up involved with the whole financial independence movement? Yeah, it's an interesting story. We actually both live in Richmond, Virginia, and actually Jonathan was listening to me. I was a guest on another podcast, uh, The Mad Scientist, actually, which is another big FI podcast, and I was talking about travel rewards. And Jonathan heard me and he's like, hey, this guy Brad's into travel rewards, into FI and lives in Richmond. And he reached out to me. We had lunch and he pitched me on this idea to start a podcast. And it was just something that sounded so fascinating to me. And yeah, we kind of dipped our toes in and the podcast has grown significantly since then. And how many frequent flyer points did you get out of that first lunch? (laughs) Brad probably has racked up millions of frequent flyer miles over the last several years. I'm well on my way to my first uh, million uh, travel rewards miles. So uh, the young Padawan has continued to go down that path. But frankly, it was kind of an excuse for us to talk about really what was then and especially now our favorite conversation, this idea of financial independence, getting to that point in time where working is optional. And I feel like there's so much emphasis on being able to enjoy your golden years, 65 and beyond, it just seems like, well, why can't we focus on being able to do that 
in our prime years, our best years, 30, 40s, 50. Now, I don't, I don't want to wait till after 65. What does it look like to design your life and do a lot of these, you know, to shoot for this now? And I think financial independence is like my go-to small talk. I mean, it's my favorite thing to discuss. It's the only thing that I can talk about endlessly. And I think I've proved that out now by having done this podcast for the last couple of years. So the Choose FI podcast, you've got, there are several of you out there that are all, I guess you'd say friendly competitors who all take slightly different angles on the concept of financial independence and how to get there. And I think that speaks to two things, how much people in their 20s and 30s don't want to have to work for the man, that's an expression, could be a woman, but don't want to work for the man for their entire core years into their 60s and the other thing is that there's many different ways and strategies that can get somebody to financial independence yeah and clark that's something we focus on significantly at our show is there are hundreds of different levers that people can pull to get them on a path towards saving money to get them on a path towards financial independence but what we say is you have to take action you can't just passively sit there and listen to podcasts or read blogs and expect anything to change in your life. You have to get up off the couch and take action. So that's all we ask of people in our community is that they take in this information, they figure out what do they want their lives to look like and how do they get themselves on that path. But it clearly requires action. There's no question about that. So Jonathan, you know, a lot of people listening are like, wait a minute. I can't even pay my bills every month. I owe money to Visa and MasterCard and who knows who else. And you're telling me that I'm going to be able to just do some tweaks with my life and I'm going to retire when I want to? A lot of skepticism yeah. out there. <laughs> I'm feeling it, man. I love it. And, and what's great about this is as you actually did this, you know, I, I think you kind of rode this story out in your early 30s. But like, let's go back to the basics of how simple this is. And, and it, it's not to oversimplify it, but, but just to say it's, it's solved the problem, right? You talked about the Max Saver plan. And, and this is a lot of the same concepts, maybe using a different verbiage, different lexicon. But like we know basic, simple math. If you can save 50% of your income, you can get to the point where working is optional within 10 to 15 years. And we have individuals that have done this, the great thing is they've all done it in different ways. But it all comes back to kind of a core equation, right? What you earn minus what you spend is equal to the difference or the gap. Now that gives us a bunch of different options. We can focus on the income game, we can focus on the spending, or we can focus on optimizing the difference. And then each one of those sends us down a different path. So the great thing about having a, a weekly show like what you have done and like what we're doing is we're tackling this from every different side. And because it's not just theory, because we have hundreds of thousands of people that have actually done this, it then becomes our mission to highlight the different ways they've tackled it. So for instance, Joel, your producer, he has spent a massive amount of time taking a modest income and leveraging that through real estate to create a passive income vehicle to carry him to this 50% savings rate. I know people in my, our community that are extraordinarily frugal and have crushed the spending side of their equation and are living on, frankly, what is far below what I would be comfortable living on, but they're just able to do that. It doesn't matter how you get to that 50% savings rate, and you don't have to choose. You don't have to just do one of these. But if you look at, at this path, like a life optimization strategy, and turn it into a fun puzzle, you don't have to do everything, but you're going to have to do something. If you're paycheck to paycheck today, we're going to have to make a change if we want to have a different future. And that's what we find. You know, Let's say that you're shooting for 50%. And you fail miserably, by, and you're only able to save 
Wow. You know, because you're anchoring yourself to this community. Wow, I failed. I was only able to save 25%. You're saving 25% more. You're saving double. You're, in fact, I think the savings rate in America right now is like negative 2%, something, something like that. Actually, I mean, it's not like, that bad. The, the uh, savings rate right now is somewhere 3 to 4%, 3 to 4 cents of each dollar somebody makes. Great. There's a Jim Rohn quote. You're the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. So if you're on the Clark Howard community and you're listening to this type of content and not just listening to it, but taking action on it, you're positioning yourself to get yourself to a 10% savings rate, a 20% savings rate, and you're striving for a 50% savings rate. It's all a matter of degrees. And I would, I would make the case that over time, as you tackle each one of these parts of the equation, it's almost inevitable that you're going to start approaching that 50% savings rate. And it's just it's it's believing that it's important and you actually have some agency some ownership of your, essentially your destiny um and it's just fun to kind of talk about the different strategies so brad hey here i am let's say uh, i'm somebody who i who i laid out that skeptical person who's like i got all this anxiety from my bills and paying for my kids and the credit card debt and all that where do i start yeah i think that, that's a great question. And obviously, you have to get some sense of where you are. I think so many people have that level of uncertainty and fear and anxiety because they have no sense of where the money is going. And that's a terrible position. I mean, you asked, Jonathan, like, can anyone, can anyone do this? Is this realistic? Like, there's so much skepticism. I would turn that around and say, even if you don't reach financial independence in 10, 15, even 20 years, just having money in the bank, having a positive net worth makes your life so much less scary for lack of a better word, right? Like um, imagine the person who has no savings, who has credit card debt and they get a flat tire, right? That could be an existential crisis for them, even though it's only a two or $300 expense. So even just having a couple thousand dollars in the bank just makes your life so much better and less stressful. So to me, like that's a starting point, obviously, is just understanding that even getting on this path is going to put you in such a better life position. But yeah, for me, it's get it on paper, see where your money is actually going, see how much you owe and who you owe it to, and then start looking at your expenses and saying, what can I change? How can I be more intentional about getting myself in a position where I can be saving money a month, two months, six months from now, right? And putting yourself on that path, like there are easy things to do, like saving money on food. To me, that's a huge one. My wife and I do this. We, we set this little target that we like, which is $2 per person per meal. And it's a fun game. Like we've taken this as this fun game that we can play together as spouses and life partners. Like it, it's, it makes it more enjoyable. It's not about deprivation. It's about how can we win this game of life just by being a little bit more optimized and we meal plan and we eat extraordinarily well. My wife is a great cook and we have fun with it and we probably save, I don't know, 500 to $700 over comparable families that we know in our neighborhood who just aren't as intentional, who are scrambling at the last minute to get some takeout or even something quick at the, at the grocery store for the, the hot and ready meals, right? Those things add up. And just applying that intentionality is just really crucial just for getting started in this in the first place. You know, I love what you said because 
I always try to get people to think about one area of their lives where they can get their spending at a different place. And you mentioned food, another is the technology, any monthly ongoing bills. And there, there, you can break this down in using your analogy of food. You can break this down into bite-sized pieces. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there's so many different things that you could take action on. You know, I think, you know, Brad mentioned the food. That's massive. For someone that's kind of grazing and drifting, maybe they're eating out several times a week, a large alcohol bill, maybe just a, a three or four trips to the grocery store and you're feeding your family. I mean, your, your grocery bill and entertainment bill, dining, can easily move past the thousand, maybe even upwards to closer to $2,000 a month. Just having a little bit of intentionality and dialing it in, you could easily shave off five to $700 a month, frankly, without, without missing it and potentially eating in a, uh, in a healthier way. Two other really big ones that come to mind, maybe even three other big ones, your housing, your car, and your cell phone. I mean, for instance, Brad did the math on this, and I'd love for him to give some of the numbers, in particular with the car. We're not even talking about paying for a car cash, although there's plenty of benefits for paying for a car cash and, and buying a used vehicle. We could discuss that. But just frankly, if you were to buy a modest new car, and drive it for years and years and years, basically not manage the payments over your investing lifetime. Brad, was it worth like a million dollars? Yeah, it was somewhere in the vicinity of that. I, I don't have the article in front of me, but yeah, it was, it was many, many hundreds of thousands of dollars that my wife and I have saved basically by buying one car each. When we first got out of college, we have 2003. I have a Civic. She has a Highlander. And we've been driving those cars for now 15 years. And that's made just that one decision. And these cars are wonderful. They get us where we need to go. They look nice. They drive well. But that one decision has saved us potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars compounded over, over decades. I love that. I, you know, because we're all on the same page here. <laughs> and I, I love the idea that it's all so approachable and uh, people who feel like they can't get this stuff done, they can. And it's the hope that I want you to have that what Brad and Jonathan and I are talking about, these are things you can do in your own life. And Brad and Jonathan, uh, one of you take explain how, your, how somebody gets your podcast, when it comes out, how long it typically is, that kind of thing. So our podcast can be found basically anywhere that podcasts are found. If you have, a, you know, your iPhone or Android, just go to your, your favorite podcast player and search for Choose FI. That's one word, Choose FI. We publish on Mondays and Fridays, and typically we have, it's, it's about an hour-long episode on Mondays and Fridays. And yeah, we'd love for you to, to check it out. Episode 100 would be a wonderful place to start that talks about some of the ideas that we just discussed today and why this is an obvious choice and frankly, why it's it's more than just a financial choice. It's, it's a life optimization strategy that gives you bandwidth in every aspect of your life. So super excited to be continuing this conversation. Well, Brad and Jonathan both, thank you very much. Continue what you're doing. And this is a great thing for people who feel they can't have control. It's in our culture that people live at the edge or beyond, completely different in so many other countries. I hope that over time we can change this conversation to where people are wondering what do they do with all their savings instead of what they do with all their bills. Thank you both. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. 
Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Debbie's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Debbie, you want to talk about services that say they're going to magically go through all your bills for you and find big savings. Is that right? Yeah. Thanks for taking my call, Clark. Sure. Um, I'm looking at, you know, there's these applications out there right now that are saying that they can look at your bills and say you have a subscription that you haven't looked at in a gazillion years. And, you know, they find that and maybe help us identify those or maybe look at things that you can get a lower rate on and things like that. My concern is how good are these? And number two, you know, they talk about accessing your bank account, which to me sets up a red flag. So, right, so I'm not worried your- about I'm not worried about that part of it. What okay. I am worried about is that uh, we have had uh a meaningful number of complaints from people mm-hmm. who have ended up being hurt by these services instead of helped. That they'll okay. go in and they'll change your, let's say, your pay TV plan or your cell phone plan or whatever. And after they've done it, instead of saving you money, you're now in one that's more expensive than you had before. And I read that on some of the reviews. So I was questioning whether or not this was you know, a legit thing. Yeah, so I don't recommend these right now because there's nobody out there who people are not griping about. And there's always going to okay. be a certain number of people that are unhappy about anything, right? Mm-hmm. But it's just, I've heard it too much with these uh, bill evaluation services. Plus, if they do save you money, they take from a third to nearly half of the savings. Right, I saw 40% on one. Okay, so I would say if you want to try to reduce your bills, take charge of it yourself. Call around. You'll be amazed how much money you can save many times just by you digging in and getting involved. Instead of outsourcing this, you go make the good fight to get your bills down. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.